When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is Wednesday, right? Still, we're in Indianapolis. I've officially lost track of days. This is our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kate Cabot and Ashley Bastock, like I mentioned. We're all in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. And um, today we heard from uh, Catherine Raish, who's the assistant GM. We heard from Kevin Stefanski. So let's just kind of go takeaways style here um everything's on the table mary Kay, give us a takeaway from today well i'll start with uh kevin stefanski's interview we had him at the podium and then we had him for a sidebar interview after that we covered a wide range of topics and of course deshaun watson is always uh, the biggest topic of all so we got him uh, going a little bit on deshaun watson and what the new situation is for him and what the outlook is. And one of the takeaways from that, I thought, was uh, how much Kevin really praised Alex Van Pelt and why he thinks that Alex is going to be a really, really good fit and a good quarterbacks coach for Deshaun Watson. And I I kind of agree with this. The more I uh, watch what Alex Van Pelt has been able to do in his career uh, with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers when, uh, when he worked with him for four years, Aaron Rodgers absolutely loved having Alex Van Pelt as his position coach. He's a former NFL quarterback. He understands the mindset. He understands the position. And, uh, you know, it's it's just it's a different vibe in the room this year now without Drew Petzing and with Alex Van Pelt in there. And then they added also, a, a, you know, sort of an up-and-coming young offensive assistant in Ashton Grant. So, uh, you know, it kind of informs what's happening with Deshaun now in the quarterback room, what it's going to be like, you know, with a backup, you know, a new backup probably coming in there and uh, sort of the state of the art of the room. The quote here from Kevin that really stood out um, was when he said, you know, he was asked about Alex Van Pelt. First thing I would tell you is Alex Van Pelt's one of the best teammates I've ever been around. Uh, talks about him being in the quarterback room and, and then also mentioned him taking a step back last year so that Drew Petzing could have that opportunity to be the quarterback's coach. And of course, that led to, to Drew getting an offensive coordinator job this year in Arizona. I, I just thought the way that, that Kevin talked about Alex today, Ashley, was a little more than just like him as a coach. He really did seem to talk about that. Just that teammate line really stood out to me in the way he described it. Yeah, and I think like we've talked about how Kevin is with his leadership style before, obviously, and how that was a huge draw to the Browns hiring him in the first place. And I think you really do kind of see that in the way he talks about his assistant coaches. And I think Alex Van Pelt, you know, is a guy who around the league has kind of earned that respect. And I think, too, a part of the reason, and Kevin, you know, mentioned it today, is the fact that he's been there before. He's played quarterback. Like, I think that allows you to relate to these players in in a different way. 
Um, and I don't think it's a necessity by any means, um, but I think it definitely helps and it helps, you know, him, it helped him throughout his career kind of find his style and earn this respect. And, you know, the Aaron Rodgers thing is obviously big. So um, I think that's, you know, a guy who has more than paid his dues and it's definitely appreciated by Kevin. And I think he goes the extra mile to publicly show that appreciation with these guys sometimes. Mary Kay, is, is Alex kind of the, I don't know how to describe him with, but we know Kevin is sort of, you know, he, you know, we've talked about it. He has a lot of influences, but it all still feels like at his core, he is the zone blocking, you know, loves the 13 personnel 12, loves the big personnel packages and doing funky stuff with those. Um, is Alex sort of the necessary opposite to Kevin in, in some ways and sort of his background and kind of where he comes from? Well, you know what? I think that, um, he, like Kevin, is very well versed and coached up and honed up in the West Coast system. So is Bill Musgrave. And I even asked Kevin about this today. You guys are all so West Coast. How is this going to work with a completely different kind of quarterback that's going to be doing different things? He's a dual threat guy. You're going to have to do, um, you know, different, all different kinds of formations and personnel groupings and all that sort of stuff and plays. And, um, and Kevin, basically said, you know, they all have so many different influences in their careers that he thinks that they can bring anything to the table. Whatever is going to be best for Deshaun is what they're going to do. And I think they're flexible in that regard. And when he talks about uh, the team thing that you brought up with with Alex Van Pelt, um, all you have to do is look at the fact that Alex Van Pelt has never once, never once said anything about wishing he could be calling the plays. He's never mentioned it. He's still here after, you know, three solid years. You know, they're going into their fourth year now of Alex Van Pelt not calling offensive plays. That's a team player for you right there, right? Um, and Kevin reiterated that he is going to call the plays. And even though we've asked him that, um, you know, this this offseason, you know, it just kind of reinforces that, yes, he is still going to call the plays. Um, but I don't know that they are, you know, offensive opposites necessarily. I think they have a lot of the same things in their repertoire. Um, and I think that they're both open to growth and open to anything and everything that it will take to get Deshaun Watson to play really well. Yeah, I mean, the, the path to being a, a head coach eventually usually involves, you know, being a, a coordinator, but also being a play caller. And you know, I'm sure Alex would love a shot to be a head coach. And Ashley, again, we mentioned Drew Petzing earlier. He he literally just got an offensive coordinator job where he's going to be a play caller. So those opportunities are out there. And somebody just hired a Browns assistant to do that. So it is, you know, it is telling that that Alex has sort of stuck this out and just stayed kind of in his lane. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely an element of loyalty here. And, you know, I can't remember if it was on one of the Hey MK podcasts recently or, or one that we were all on or just the Hey MK pod that I listened to. But I think Mary Kay pointed out that, you know, Drew Petzing is technically now like on, on a faster track to becoming a head coach than a guy like Alex Van Pelt, who's been around forever. And Drew Petzing's like a 35-year-old who's risen through the ranks really quickly. I think that play calling aspect of it is so, so, so important, especially, you know, in a in a league where you're seeing more and more offensive minded head coaches at the forefront of these teams. So I do think it says a lot about Alex Van Pelt that, you know, he's stuck around through this and that we haven't kind of heard those complaints or seen him try to take 
an opportunity somewhere else. Like, I do think these two guys are really connected now in terms of how this offense is working and they work well together. And I think that's in some ways, you know, kind of rare to find in this league and have it last this long. Okay, Ashley, give us a takeaway. Yeah, I was thinking about this and I think, you know, mine is kind of something that I wrote about today and it's the messaging about Jim Schwartz has been very like cohesive so far these last couple of days. And the thing that we heard both from Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski that's kind of stuck out to me that I think might have gotten lost in the Jim Schwartz hire because I think when people think of Jim Schwartz, they think of like this old school, hard-nosed football guy, which he is. But both Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry have pointed out how adaptable, how open-minded he is. So I do think that's interesting. And we've kind of touched on it with Jim Schwartz, you know, as he came in the league in the 90s, you know, got his foot in the door in Cleveland under Bill Belichick. But he's also like one of these guys who embraced analytics early, who, you know, believes you shouldn't have that paralysis by analysis. But he looks at that sort of stuff, even though he's got that hard nose kind of old school football reputation. Um, and I just think it's interesting to kind of hear them say, like, essentially that he is flexible to work with these pieces on this roster. And I think we might see that in his scheme. So I wonder, you know, if this scheme might have some little different elements that we haven't seen in Jim Schwartz schemes before, because I do think he really is on, has the potential at least to be on that forefront more than a lot of people want to give him credit for fans might think of him as. Yeah. Mary Kay, Jim Schwartz, I guess maybe a winner this week and we haven't even talked to him, but you know, you hear Andrew Barry talk about him. You hear Kevin Stefanski talk about him. He really, I mean, is he the most, oh no, it's, it's Deshaun Watson, obviously, but Jim Schwartz, is he, I, I guess, where is he in the hierarchy of really important people for this offseason? Is he like right behind Deshaun Watson? He's pretty high up there. I mean, one of the biggest things, obviously, that has to happen is vast improvement on that defense. And that's why they went for experience. Because the truth of the matter is Kevin Stefanski could have hired any one of a number of very young up-and-coming coaches. He could have promoted someone on his staff. You see that there is a little bit of a trend right now in the NFL with guys hiring more young and inexperienced guys. I mean, uh, no one more than Jonathan Gannon doing that, right? I mean, he's out there hiring a 29-year-old defensive coordinator. Uh, but Kevin Stefanski went in the opposite direction. He went with experience. And in this case, on this particular defense, uh, with Kevin needing to spend so much time over on the offensive side of the ball, I think it was the right move. He doesn't have to worry about this defense at all. Uh, I think everyone's really excited about what Jim is going to bring to the table. I think they all feel that he will elevate the play of a lot of the players on this football team that haven't been able to show what they can do. Um, and so, yeah, I think that uh, that's a hire that they're really, really excited about. And again, as you said, you know, maybe he's not going to be completely set in his ways and be open to, you know, there's trends in the game. Even since he's been at last been a coordinator, the game has changed over the last two years, and he's going to have to evolve and adapt with that. And I, I do think, so Andrew Barry yesterday kind of pushed back on the notion. Well, he basically said people kind of put Jim in a box a little bit as far as just talking about the pass rush with him. With him. But I think kind of to your point, Ashley, when, when we first had our introductory press conference with him, he explained why he thought the pass rush was so important. And it wasn't like this old school, it wasn't an old school explanation. It was basically, 
it's really hard to cover guys because they're all freaks and the rules don't favor coverage. And mm-hmm. so the best way to impact the game is to get after the quarterback. That's the best way to impact the passing game. I just thought it was interesting that it was sort of an old school theory, but it was a very kind of, it was framed in, in kind of the way the game is played now. Yeah, I guess it's almost like for me to build off of what you're saying, like the results of what he what he wants, the results he wants may seem old school on the surface, but the reason he wants them is more analytically based in the modern game. And I think it's kind of easy to see where he's coming from with that, especially when you look at what the Browns did last year. The only kind of real um, pass rush production that they got was from Miles Garrett in terms of his pressures. I actually looked this up yesterday and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but Miles Garrett himself had more total quarterback pressures on PFF than like the Browns four main defensive linemen. Like he had like 20 more and he only played in 16 games and he obviously had 16 sacks. And the next highest sack getter was Taven Bryan with two. So I just think you need that production overall for the Browns, but Jim Schwartz's reasoning behind it, um, I think says a lot. And I think it's a new perspective. I think they need that. Um, and it's true what he's saying. I mean, it is really hard to win in this league based on defensive backs alone. But I think the problem is the Browns had invested so much into those defensive back positions up until this point. So it's kind of like, okay, how are we going to potentially as a team now reallocate some of those sources? Okay, let's take a break. We'll do some more takeaways here on the other side. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kate Cabot, Ashley Bastock in Indianapolis for the Combine here on a Wednesday. Uh, okay, I think for my takeaway, I'm going to go, we're going to stay with the coaching. We're going to stay with the assistant coaches. In fact, we're going to stay with the coordinators. I just continue to think this Bubba Ventrone hire is like, it's just such a huge home run for this team. And Kevin today talked very glowingly of him. He said he actually played him uh, when, when he was in college. He sort of dodged a question about whether Mike Prefer would still be the special teams coach if Bubba Ventrone had not become available, um, just kind of around the timing of, of how that all happened. But, you know, again, like I said, I, I don't want to be the Browns won the offseason guy. But Mary Kay, the, like you don't have to say that. And you can still believe that this Bubba Ventrone hire is an absolute home run hire for this team. And they are, I think, a significantly better team because of it. Oh, absolutely, 100%. And one of the ways I know this is because my good friend Rick Goslin, when they hired Bubba Ventrone, sent me a text raving about this hire. And I will tell you what, there is no media person uh, in the history of the NFL that knows more about special teams play and coaching than Rick Goslin. And he he just absolutely 100% endorsed uh, this hire by the Cleveland Browns. And I also think it's a, a fantastic hire. And of course, they had to give him uh, the title of associate head coach or assistant head coach, one of those two, um, to make, you know, to get him here. And I'm sure they probably had to throw a little bit more money uh, at him than you know, than maybe they normally would have if it had been someone else. Because Shane Steichen, I'm sure the Colts would have liked to have kept him. I know he would have had other opportunities as well. Uh, but he's coming back home. He's coming back play, to a place where he played for four years. He understands the mentality of the, the Cleveland Browns fan. He understands how important it is to have electrifying 
special teams. I think he's going to really be good for Cade York. I think he brings the right culture and mentality. Culture, uh, we've heard Kevin say this before. What culture is, you know, it's people. It's personalities. And, you know, you can you can talk about Catherine Rach like that today, too, the assistant general manager of the Cleveland Browns. She's a great person. She is a great person. And I think that someday, uh, if she sticks around here long enough and nobody steals her away, that she could become the next general manager of the Cleveland Browns. That's how good she is. She's going to be that good. And we got to talk to her today, and she was fantastic to talk to. And she speaks three languages, and she understands contracts, and she understands player evaluation and everything that goes into the job. But culture, as Kevin says, culture is people. And and Bubba, uh, you know, you just you're not going to find a you know a better guy than him for this job. I, I think you're right. They knocked it out of the park. Ashley, we could do a draft. We're not going to do a draft. We could do a draft of things that could go drastically wrong this season. And I can't imagine that I would pick special teams. I'll, you no, know, it's, I, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say like last year, if we had done that same draft, it might've been a top two or three choice, right? Like given the way things kind of went as the season went along, given the way, Things went in 2021 as well, and and just kind of like the dumb little mistakes that kept happening with that unit um, and that phase of the game. But I agree, you know, with Mary Kay, it's like I'm, I've never covered Bubba Ventrone as a player or anything, but you can just tell the way everybody talks about him and, and from everything we learn about him, that energy he's going to bring. I think that unit needs something different, right? Like there needs to be, I think, some kind of change that happens there. Um, because you can't just run it back. I think it got to the point with both the special teams and the defense that the Browns just couldn't risk running it back um, and keeping the status quo there heading into 2023. So, you know, like we talked about before in another podcast, like that his connection with Phil Dawson might come in handy for Kate, for Kate York's um, development for all we know and, and things like that. And just the energy that he brings and how well he did with the Colts in the same role. So, um, I definitely think that that's not something I would draft either in things that could go horribly, horribly wrong. Okay, so let's just throw it open now. What what spare takeaways do we have out there, Mary Kay? Did you have any others that, that stood out to you today? Uh, let's see. You know what? I'll tell you what, Dan. There is one thing that stood out to me today, and you wrote about it. And I think yes. it's very, I think it's very interesting that you know the schedule is. Um, you know, it's a little bit different this summer than it normally would be. And that is because they will play in the Hall of Fame game and they will be down there to honor Joe Thomas and, and they'll be in that game on August 3rd. And it kind of changes everything. Uh, they have to come back for training camp one week earlier. That also moves up the end of the offseason program. Instead of a like a mid-June mini camp, uh, they're going to get that over with by, I think they will be done even before June 1st is what, uh, could possibly happen there. Uh, so that gives them a little bit of a longer break. And then um, and then Kevin Stefanski confirmed that they will practice against the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia before the third preseason game. So they are going to be on the move this summer. Uh, they're going to be shaking it up and mixing it up, and they're going to be on the road, which, you know, sometimes that can be good. Uh, you know, it can bring a team a little bit closer together. You have some opportunities to do some team activities and some team bonding. And I think they're going to try to do some of that because when you do have two new coordinators, you do have to try to kind of uh, develop a cohesive 
tightness, a bond. And I, I think that they will be able to do that a little bit if they are spending some time together, you know, out on the road in Philadelphia and, uh, you know, going down to, to Canton for the game. And I just think it lends itself to a little bit more team building than what we've had in the past couple of years. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to do the math. as to, So they can start the offseason program in April 17th or that week. And I think they've usually started on the Tuesday of that week. Well, I know some teams start on a Monday. Um, and then you have to have a certain number of weeks that are just meetings and lifting. And then there's like a couple weeks where it's just like, I mean, there's a period where you can't even have a football, but it, it's weird. But then you can finally get into OTAs and mini camp. And, and I'm curious if they're going to try and cram all of that into a shorter time period or if they're just going to cut out some OTAs or, or whatever they're going to do. But yeah, Ashley, it's going to be, I mean, training camp's going to be here. It always feels like training camp gets here really quickly, but it's really going to get here quickly this year. And he's not using the full, it doesn't sound like he's going to use the full 15 days that he can use before that game, but uh, there is going to be an earlier report date. Yeah, I mean, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he said, like, they'll they'll end the offseason program about a week earlier, and then they'll start training camp about a week earlier. So it won't be the full 15 days, but it's definitely, I think, going to hit everyone a little bit more. But you got to remember even Joe Thomas, like, joking that, eh, maybe these guys are going to be a little mad at me for getting in when they have to come to training camp a week earlier. But, you know, I thought Kevin gave a very nice answer about, oh, it'll be nice to go down to Canton and play in that game and help honor, you know, Joe Thomas in the this way. So I think everyone also kind of knew it was coming given the Hall of Fame class this year, um, that they were probably going to be a part of this. So I think even though it was just officially announced this week, everyone kind of assumed it was coming and, and that the offseason would be headed this way. Um, I'll, I mean, let's talk a little bit more about Catherine. Um, she, you know, it was, it was our first chance to talk to her. It was really her first kind of big group interview and I thought she handled it really well. She was asked some challenging questions um, about Sean Watson. I thought she handled those really well. Um, th- this is sort of one of the tests as you become a GM because you do have to answer for things and you do have to talk to the media on a semi-regular basis. Uh, Mary Kay, I thought she I thought she delivered today. I mean, I hate to sit here and judge press conferences, but it's part of it. And I thought she sounded she sounded the part. You know, she sounded like someone who can be a GM. Yeah, she she really did. And what I like about this hire, in addition to the fact that she's so qualified for the job and she's, you know, so smart and well-rounded in, in so many ways, um, is the fact that, that Andrew Barry will train her to be able to do the job. He will have her ready to do this job for either somebody else or someday for the Cleveland Browns, if he ever wants to, you know, move into like a president type role and have somebody else do the, you know, the nuts and bolts of it all. She's being groomed for that. She's the number two right now. Even that when Quasi left, Catherine was hired as the absolute number two. That's how it goes. Even though they have parallel titles, Catherine Rach and Glenn Cook, um, that is not how the organizational flow chart goes. She's right there underneath Andrew Barry, and she is definitely being groomed uh, to, to run the show someday. And I think she's, she's going to be fantastic. I talked to her a couple times very briefly in, uh, in training camp because we have a couple things in common. She was having a baby at the time. And, uh, you know, so we just talked about, you know, just that whole notion of being in the NFL and trying to do this crazy job 
while, you know, having to, to parent and, and be a mom and all those kinds of things. And then also she's from Montreal and, um, which is in Quebec. It's not Quebec, it's Quebec. Um, and I have a daughter that lives in Quebec and, um, or she's going to school in Quebec. So we kind of talked about that a little bit. And, um, again, she's fluent in three languages. That's not easy. And I just, I don't know. I'm very, very impressed with her and I'm kind of excited to see where her career goes. Yeah. And, um, you know, Ashley, you kind of look at her past, she goes CFL, XFL, NFL. I mean, this is someone that sort of identified what you wanted to do and kind of figured out a pathway to get there. Um, it's, there was a lot working against her, right? Like the NFL is yeah. just now starting to get open to, to women in these positions. And you don't see a lot of people from Quebec. There, I said it right. You don't <laughs> you see right, a lot Dan, of people from Quebec in this league. I mean, yeah. it, was, it has been a, an uphill battle for her, for sure, to get to this point. And here she is kind of on the doorstep of one of the, the league's biggest jobs. That's something that I think ever since she got hired here and kind of knowing the basics of her background – that, that struck me about her, right? Like the fact that she's from Canada, she really had to, seems like, grind her way up through these other leagues to even get to the NFL. And I mean, I think just then to land in the position she was put in, in Philadelphia, and, you know, she praised Howie Roseman today for what she learned from him. Like, I think that's a great starting point for, you know, somebody who has worked her way up the way she has in the front office. Like it's kind of easy, like Mary Kay was saying, the way she talks to CY, I think the fact that she's focused on uh, player evaluation has, is huge. And she talked about how she's always looking to learn in that regard. Like, I think that's definitely the right attitude and mindset you have to have in these jobs, right? That you don't think you know it all. You're never done learning. Like, it seems like that's the kind of vibe I got from talking to her today and hearing her kind of thoughts about how she approaches that aspect of her job. Here's a, here's another thing that Mary Kay and Catherine have in common. So Catherine joked that while she was on maternity leave, Andrew almost kicked her off of a text thread uh, because she was like not supposed to be working. And Mary Kay, I have had moments where you have like been on vacation or you have been off, like not supposed to be working. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're working. And I just, I want to kick you off of these text threads. Like, no, you're not allowed to be on here. Well, now with the fancy new iOS updates, you know, you can do that. Right, Dan? I'm going to have to teach you (laughs) all about your iPhone. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just I just figured out you can change the font and the display of your time. And then I hated what I changed it to. And I couldn't figure out how I did it before. I felt very old. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? She she does have that. And it's funny because when she when I was talking to her at training camp, Uh, you know, I was asking, oh, you know, how long will you take off after you have the baby? And she said, oh, I think about two weeks. (laughs) I was like, two weeks? Even I wouldn't do two weeks. Um, And so she she quickly figured out that two weeks wasn't going to be enough. And and the rest of the organization supported her. They're very supportive of women. That's another thing we should take away from this week is that Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry are extremely supportive of diversity, of women, of minorities, of helping young people, of diversity of thought and everything else. And, and I think that's fantastic. I really do. And, um, and so she had all the support that she needed to take all the time that she needed. And, um, and I'm sure now she will look back on that 
and be very, very grateful that she had that time because as, as you know, you, you can't get that back. And, um, you know, so good for her that she landed in an organization that values family, that values women trying to do these jobs and that she will have all the support that she always needs from a, a family and from a, a business standpoint. Okay, we'll wrap it up there. Our uh, combine report here on Wednesday on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to our podcast, get subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also become a Football Insider subscriber. Again, we sent you a bunch of texts today. So cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner on the top page, on the top of the page to get info on that and get signed up. For Mary Kay and Ashley on Dan, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>